Good morning. What a joy to be together. It's part of this morning's lesson, but rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, I put that in the category of the impossible scriptures. We're going to talk about some of the impossible scriptures today. Because we say to ourselves, I can't rejoice always. I mean, you can't rejoice always. Kind of like pray without ceasing. The impossible scriptures. One I don't have on the list in the class this morning is, Be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Lon and I have that down, right, Lon? No, I don't either. Um, he did this, but I knew. It is so exciting to have brothers like Lon here who come in. He comes in from Nikiski. He's he's a stable force for the congregation in Nikiski, and, and what an encouragement that is, that we are brothers and sisters out in all these places in Alaska. But this is where I wanted to start today. This is a photograph of your brothers and sisters in Mariupol, Ukraine. And I'm going to have James Smith come up here and give us a little bit of the background of this picture and to lead us in prayer for that. James? I had to fix my name tag because apparently I thought that was important that it be facing out towards you. I am James Smith. Um, I I live in the valley. I've I've been there. My my parents, Glenn and Sally Smith, moved there in in 1981. Was it? Yeah. So I've been a member of the of the church here in Alaska. My my whole life, um, except for a brief period of time where the church here sent me to a program called AIM, Adventures in Missions, and it's a, it's a youth missions program that is, that is part of uh, Sunset International Bible Institute. Um, it consists of eight months of uh, a year of, of, of study, Bible study within the, within the school, and then, and then it attaches people to teams that get sent all over the world to work with missionaries in, in different places, uh, for two years. I served for two years here in Mariupol, Ukraine, thanks to the support and love of, of the church here in Alaska, which makes a bridge which allows me to be a bridge between between you and the hearts of of the people here in Mariupol, and that is a a burden I'm I'm trying to find a part of. So so part of that is that I want you to look at this picture and to and to realize the power and the strength of what is what is happening here. I see this picture and 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 I see the gospel at work. I look at this picture and I see I see all of the psalms which I've been I've been I've been meditating on heavily for the past month as things have been happening in Ukraine. I see all of the psalms happening in this picture, the good 
and the hard. I see, I see Genesis and, and Revelation and Job. When I, I'm going to make this quick, I'm sorry. I have this reputation of talking too long and crying, and then I'm asked to talk about something that is bigger than I can talk about and that I've been crying about for a month and a half. When I arrived in, in Ukraine, I was a young man having, having maybe been a Christian for eight years, which, which I felt was young. And when I walked into this, this small, growing congregation of people, they were, they were dumbfounded by that. The oldest member of the congregation there had been converted at a, during a, during a summer mission, uh, four years prior. Uh, he was the leader of the congregation, and he died within the month that, that we arrived. They were desperate for for strong Christians that could bring them the Bible and, and show them the Word in this little apartment congregation uh, place where they where they met. They have grown over the past two decades. Don't do the math on my, on my age, but they've grown over the past two decades to, to now fill an old converted, uh, kindergarten, which could probably fit within this room. The whole entire building could. Um, they, they, they have, uh, no Americans working with them. It is all entirely Ukrainian led from, from students of the, of the UBI Bible Institute, a branch of, of, of Sunset that were taught and, and people that have grown and learned there are, there are second generation Christians in this picture, which is, which is amazing to me, uh, to see. And, and this, this strength was poured into, in love, into, into the city of Mariupol and into Ukraine by the wisdom of God. And I see now what it was preparing them for. They were, this is, this is in far southeast, uh, Ukraine, uh, from, from the apartment of Gennady, who's standing in the middle in the back. Um, I've stood in his apartment and you can see the checkpoint crossing the border into Russia. I was there in 2014 and you could see the tanks already armed and, and standing on the border in preparation for what has, what has happened. Um, this is a picture of them this week. We lost contact with them uh, five weeks ago when the entire the entire city was cut off from from water and electricity and and telephones. Um, they have been under siege continually since then. This is in, uh, this is the church on the left bank of Mariupol that is that is in outskirts uh, off to the east of the city of Mariupol across the river past the steel factory, an impoverished relatively area that has just been completely completely obliterated by the Russian military. All I have ever seen out of it has been burnt buildings that I that I recognize and and um, pain until this. These are our brothers and sisters. This is this is a photo they took Showing, showing us that, that there is proof of life, right? Showing the fact that they are alive, but they are alive. I mean, look at this picture. They, they are, they are thriving. This is, this is defiance not of, not of, of 
Russia or or the of, or the world or the situation, but this is defiance of of Satan as they stand here together with even the the plants alive in the background, saying that they will not be crushed and they will not be destroyed and their faith will not be shaken and they are binding together as a as a church. That's why I say I look at this picture and I see the gospels. Stas, the man, the, the man that I said who who died right after we arrived, his his widows there in the front row, off off on the right side is a standing with his wife in green. Behind behind her is is Sasha. They are the Poletskis. Uh, he was shot in the very beginning of this conflict, and we did not know if he was going to survive. He is there standing with the church now. Um, in the back, standing next to his wife. On the left side, with his daughter, is my friend Yevgeny. I could tell you so many stories here, but they are the stories. They are the stories, not of these people, and not of not of me and what I've I've seen and experienced. But they are stories about God and what God is doing. And I want you to be encouraged by that. We're not just sitting in this room talking about things. We're not. We're not simply discussing. Parables. We're talking about what God is trying to show us that is true and powerful. And in action, it, it can survive in the hand of God, even amongst destruction and chaos. We will continue to pray for, for our brothers and sisters there. I want you to, I want you to know that they, they would want you to know that faith survives. Let's, let's pray. Our gracious Lord and Master, um, we humble ourselves in your presence, um, not understanding how small we are and, and definitely not understanding how great you are. Now, there are terrifying things in this world. There are things that, that rattle our foundations and that, that rattle our, uh, our personal kingdoms. And we thank you for that. We thank you for, for opening our eyes to truth so that we can know that there is one kingdom. There is only your power. That there is only your control. And that everything else that we put our faith in is an illusion. And is and is meant to draw us away from you. In whatever way that you have of bringing us closer to you and bringing us back, we submit ourselves humbly into your hand. Lord, we thank you for, for the example of our, of our brothers and sisters in, in Ukraine, uh, for, the, for the faith that they have, for the compassion that they are showing each other in desperate times, for the, for the peace that they are able to give to, to their community in a time of war and chaos, for, for a foundation and a shelter that they can give in a time of true storm. And I pray that you will continue to act on their hearts. Give them strength. 
give them stability for each other and that that they can come out of this giving that strength and stability and and glory to you in the community that will that will rebuild so that hearts can be rebuilt stronger towards you and so that lives can be rebuilt on a foundation that is your foundation so that so that families can be built on a trust that is 100% in you and your service as, as they have now experienced um, the power of, of, of what that uh, faith can do. Lord, we pray that you will be with us, help us to, to be founded on that same faith in our own battles, in our own storms, and to, to be challenged to be more sacrificial, to let go of um, the foundations that, that, that we've held on to that are, that are false. And we thank you for, for this time, uh, for this gathering here, for the hearts in this room, uh, for the, the faith that is being shared uh, from, from person to person. Um, we praise you. Uh, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So within the last 20 years, one of the astounding stories of Ukraine within the last 20, 30 years, there are more churches of Christ in the country of Ukraine than in the rest of Europe combined. The gospel has mightily grown there. Congregation after congregation after congregation. These are people whose apartment houses are rubble, whose cars are burnt wrecks, the the contact we have direct specific contacts through James and others with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine who who send photographs uh, and tell us stories of their escape, uh, the destruction, uh, the death, and the safety. We lost a sister in Christ. We lost we lost a sister in Christ at that train station that was hit by a rocket the other day. One of the ladies killed there was our sister. Uh, Mariupol is the place where the, the, the women and children's hospital was rocketed and blown up. This place, more than any other part of the country, it sounded like, it sounds like has been hit day after day after day, more even than Kiev and, and other places. And so these are, that's, this photograph is only a couple of days old, and that's why it's so astounding to see these faces. Uh, many have, have escaped and gotten out of there. Um, we, we, uh, many, much of the church is working out of Poland now, uh, and helping refugees and helping brothers and sisters. It's just an astounding story, uh, and I wanted us to start there. Salt, ah, well, how much does it mean in that, after that picture? Salt and light. One of the amazing things about the way our Heavenly Father respects us, and I really ask you powerfully to respect one another, respect your brothers and sisters, respect the humans you meet throughout the week, respect people, because God powerfully respects us. He allows us our own free will. He gives us our choices. One of the most astounding, I'm going to be way off, one of the most astounding scriptures in all scripture, in all, in all the Bible, 
is starts as he was getting in the boat. What? That doesn't sound like an astounding scripture. Except it was in the middle of the story or at the end of the story about the, uh, the, the demoniac, about the man uh, with so many demons in him. And Jesus got rid of the demons and the man is, is in his right mind and he's dressed and the townspeople come out and say, What? And they say to Jesus, Please leave. And the next verse says, As he was getting in the boat. That's terrifying. That you can say to Jesus, please leave. And he will. God respects us. It's as if, it's as if somebody said to you, this building is on fire. It's not by any measure I can tell. We're all safe and we saw the exits. Thank you. You're sitting here comfortable, maybe not, but you're sitting here with together with us, loving one another, and if you had new information about how dangerous it was in here, the snow load on the roof or the earthquake that's about to happen in 30 seconds or whatever it is, you would get up and move. You'd go down the hallway, grab your children. You'd be out one of the doors right away because you had new information. God treats us that way. He shows us the truth and then lets us and leads us in a reaction to that truth. He woos us. He calls us. He doesn't push us. He leads us in the most reasonable and respectable and sensible way to handle the real truth. We're going to go back to a verse that we were at the other day. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And we are really going to end this lesson on time, one way or the other. Anybody know how to move the hands of the clocks? No, never mind. Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, what a morning. Beautiful morning. Beautiful people, beautiful morning. You have a purpose in your life that will carry you every morning you wake up with joy and confidence. Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 4. But God, that's a great statement right there. And after we were just told in verse 1 that we were dead in our transgressions and sins. But God... Being rich in mercy, like I said, he tells us the truth. Because of his great love with which he loved us. We read this the other day, Friday night. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him. And seated us. We talked about how stunning a verse this was. Past tense, we have been seated, seated with Christ in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, not as a result of anything we did that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship. Catch this. 
All of that preparation, all of that uh, transition in our lives has happened, created, verse 10, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which another astounding, astounding, astounding detail God gives us, which God prepared beforehand so that we, you and I, would walk in them. We have been given such an amazing transition in our lives. We have been put in such a powerful place. We have such an awesome purpose. We carry with us the name of Christ. We carry with us the the purpose of God. We do not understand the magnificence of that which with we participate. We are involved in something so enormous, so outstanding, so awesome. We don't catch on. God gets it. God knows we don't catch on. But he gives us these teachings so that we can grow in our understanding. Let's turn to another verse. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I know what I'm saying, even if I don't do it right. I love you guys. You're so encouraging. You've been so sweet this weekend. So much hard work. So many good things. So many connections all across Alaska. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living Hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance. You ever get one of those? You're getting another one. If you hadn't had one, you're getting the best one ever. Listen, look at the words, underline them, write them down. This is worthy of a study this month, this year. To obtain an inheritance which is, look at them, imperishable and undefiled and isn't going anywhere, will not fade away. Imperishable, never goes bad undefiled, always pure and clean, and will not go away, will not fade, and it's reserved. I'm sorry, sir, you have a reservation? Yes, I do. This way, please. It is reserved in heaven with your name on it. We do not understand the magnificence of these things. And... It's for you, the end of verse 4. You haven't stopped underlining yet. you got something else to underline here. Verse 5. Who are protected. You feel protected? It kind of doesn't matter if you feel like it or not. But the fact is, you are protected. This reservation, this inheritance is all protected by the power of God. I hope you sit, you're sitting up straighter than you were ten seconds ago. 
protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. In this, you say, eh, that's pretty good. Is that what verse 6 says? In this, you greatly rejoice. What else could you do? In this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed. You're in some pain. You're in some struggle by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, God understands we don't see it. He gets it. That's why he writes us these things. And you have, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you... You're still, you're still underlining things or writing notes? You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible. The outcome of your faith. All right, now let's go back to that verse we mentioned a little while ago. Rejoice always. Yeah? Are you with me? Are we communicating? Rejoice always. Based on what? (laughs) Based on what we're part of. Based on the victory over all of this mess. All the wars. All the sins. All the pain. All the struggles. When we look at the reality, the truth of what's really going on. This is where the rubber meets the road. Do you believe these things? Breathe in. Breathe out. Do you believe it? Based on that, you and I can walk in joy every day. And that's a million miles away from happiness. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness is incidental based on the circumstances you're in. Joy is a foundational confidence. Joy is a determination that I'm not stopping, I'm not being dragged down, I'm not going anywhere else except with Christ. He's a victory over all of these things. And by the power of God, He succeeded and I will succeed as well. God is able. Our God is able. Our God is able. So what's the reasonable response to these things? We greatly rejoice. Not just joy. Great joy. Joy so good, so broad, so awesome. I can't even describe it to you. I don't even know how to express it. You get out of bed every morning with that. 
Has our God changed? Has Christ changed? We just saw a group of our brothers and sisters pulling together and standing together. They weren't all smiling. But based on this, they've all got God's joy. Therefore, therefore, by faith, by faith, this is where our faith hits the road. We are joy-filled people. We are joy-filled people. Joy inexpressible. I haven't said anything much about light and salt yet. Let me give you a list of things that God gives us. This is going to be kind of quick. Everyone comes with a verse. Uh, I guess these are being recorded. If you want the list, you can go back to it. You know all of them anyway. Let me give you a list of things like that. And the joy is in here. You can call them impossible verses if you want, except God calls us to every one of them. He doesn't say rejoice always and leave us frustrated in a tough and difficult and angry world with nothing to be joyful about. He gives us joy so that in that nasty world... Ah, you're ahead of me already. Number one, I know these are smaller things. This is this might be one of the toughest on the list. Consider others. This is in Philippians chapter 2. <coughs> speaking specifically <coughs> about the nature of Christ. Speaking specifically about the character of Christ. Speaking specifically about the humility of Christ. In fact, the beginning of the verse says, In humility... Consider others more important or higher, as the word is higher in there, than yourself. When you go into the store, those people around you deserve your time, your attention, your care. I know it's an infinite process because there's 7 billion people on the earth. But just take the person sitting next to you. Start there. And think of other people as more important, more deserving of your attention, more deserving of your loving care than yourself. God's got you. He'll take care of you. You work on the person next to you. I'm just giving you the verses. Do all things. Here's another good one. Do all things without complaining. That's easy. <coughs> we are masters. And I don't mean you. You all are awesome. But human beings, we are masters. Thank you, Bill. We are masters at complaining. We're excellent. Graduate degrees in complaining. And we complain a lot about people. And that kind of combines the first two things. You know, people are so stupid. I can't believe how foolish. You know what? Those folks are just, you know what people believe? That are that people and, and those drivers out there, they couldn't, they're such a lousy group of drivers. Oh my goodness. That whole group of people, they're so. You never heard that before, have you? You and I are supposed to do all things without complaining. All things, same verse, without 
arguing. That's our life. We're not supposed to worry. Jesus was very clear about it and explained it. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Who by worrying can add a single second to their life? I know he said our, but it's the same thing. And then Philippians talks a lot about don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. We are people who take worry and, and bury it in the backyard. Who take complaining and throw it in the fireplace with the last log you put in there. Say no by God's grace. First, uh, I mean, Timothy chapter 2 verse 12 says, According to the grace of God, say no, or some versions say deny ungodliness and worldly passions. You ready to say no? Say it with me. One, two, three. No. Do it again. One, two. Two, three. No! So today, when something about the world pulls you that way and you want to pull into some sort of lust or some sort of ungodliness, you say, No! And say it out loud. It helps. No! I will not participate in that. We do not go in that direction. Pray without ceasing. This is a great study. Paul gives us, I think it's a dozen, it's more than ten, different places in Paul's letter where he says, we are constantly in prayer for you. Epaphras prays for you without ceasing. We are always in prayer. We pray for you night and day. All sorts of different phrases about Paul's constant prayer. Let's get our prayer life into a every hour, all the time, between between the king calling him and Nehemiah answering, the king says, what's your problem, Nehemiah? What do you, what do you need me to do? And the verse says, and then I prayed and said to the king, how long was that prayer? How many words did it include? Like, God, help? God will answer that prayer. My favorite prayer lately is, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I, Carol and I, I think we have hundreds of answered prayers every day. We have so many answered prayers. We're overwashed by prayers. And, and we are constantly saying and texting to our family and to others, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In everything, give thanks. In everything. Not for everything in this verse. You get that in other verses if you want. But in every circumstances, no matter how nasty, no matter how foul, no matter how painful, thank you, Father. If nothing else, thank you, Father, for being a God I can hang on to when things get this painful. Thank you, Father. In everything, give thanks. Rejoice always. Count it all joy when you suffer. Count it all joy. When you suffer, only speak what is good. Ephesians 4. This is a, this is a magnificent one. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only that. Imagine if we spoke this way. Let nothing bad come out of your mouth, but only say words, only speak what is good for building others up. Be devoted to one another. 
Tony gave us a passionate lesson the other day about people who who wander off, who who go astray, who get sucked into the the worries of the world, who get afraid of. And I'm not picking on people, I'm, uh, so I didn't mean to say people are afraid. But you know what I mean. Get the COVID kind of comes over us and pulls us away from each other. That devotion, we're called to be devoted to each other. And then finally, Jesus gives, and these are the top two, they include all of the others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. We are called to all these things. Now, we've got two minutes left. And I'll get to salt and light. Ephesians, I mean, Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? That's an awesome question. Partly that, that shows the, their salt was, was infected by or mixed with all kinds of soils and dirts and clays. They couldn't quite get out of it. So the salt would get washed away sometimes and all you'd have was the dirt left. Um, they didn't quite have the purified salt we have today. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill. You are salt. You are light. You. Now, take that list we just had. Develop it in you, and not by your efforts, But by the work of the Holy Spirit, the many of those overlap and connect completely with the fruit of the Spirit. This is God's power working in us. God is able to make us mature. These are, these are things God gives us. So you don't just churn the handle and generate yourself some more joy. This is, these are things God gives us. Salt changes things And you can't undo it. You put salt in your soup and you'll never get it back out. You can barely scrape it across from the top of a steak if you put too much on. Salt, you change things. Put that list in you. You change things. That's incredible what you're able to do. And light? (laughs) Light's powerful. Light is powerful. You are salt. You are light. You are made in God's image. He shows His greatness. What we just read a few minutes ago in Ephesians chapter 2. He did all those things to you so He could demonstrate. It says in verse 7, so He could demonstrate His magnificence. He did it to show who He is. Our lives aren't for us. It is not about us. It's not about us. It's not about you. Don't go to a church just because they got a good X, Y, or Z program. Don't go to a church just because they happen to have a good preacher. Don't go to a church. You go to a church that's passionate about following God and following His Word and careful with it. Don't go places. Don't do things for your will, for your satisfaction. Our lives are devoted to Him. He is transitioning us to show His greatness, to show the majesty of who He is. He does all things for His glory. 
And you are participating in His glory. And He puts you places to change the flavor of it. You are salt. He puts you places to illuminate. You are light. And Jesus said, they'll know your mind. They will know your mind. By what? By your love for one another. Wow, those folks love each other. Wow, that family is devoted to God. Look at that couple. Oh my goodness. They are so, so connected. Isn't that marriage beautiful? You are salt. You are light. We're put in a powerful place. You are these things. And the darker the world gets, the more painful it gets. The stories coming out, I wish James had three more hours to tell you stories of our Christian brothers and sisters in in Ukraine because their stories will change you. They are salt and light in our world here, even though they're thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away. You are salt and light. That list, those impossible verses, and only in God can you do those things. And people will be astounded by your love. They'll be astounded by your joy. They'll be astounded by your good care. They'll be astounded by your works. And none of it is for you. And none of it is from you. It's all for our Heavenly Father. Thank you so much. God bless you.